Looking forward to a nice, organised, swift recording this week. Welcome to Hand of Todd. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 313 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly. I have a little bit of a sore throat today, so I'm hoping that I won't have to talk too much and that the two gentlemen with me will be able to pick up some of the slack. Those two gentlemen are English Dan. Hello and welcome. And Andres. Hello, Sam. Welcome back, gents. Um, English Dan and Andres are in a very good mood because I've just been able to give them their money Yay. for October. Uh, thank you. No, not sorry, not for October, for September. Um, because that's the month that's just finishing. Thank you very much to everybody who has allowed me to pay them by becoming mm-hmm. a Patreon supporter on Hand of Pod, uh, patreon.com slash handofpod. Um, please continue to do so. Uh, I'm going to start the episode just with a very quick clarification for the benefit of Patreon supporters. Um, you will get charged next week. I'm going on holiday at the end of next week for a month and a half, but we are going to have a few episodes while I'm away. They won't be weekly. Um, and we will have uh, one in-person episode next week before I leave, and one in-person episode, I think one, uh, when I get back for the last week of November. Um, So uh, you'll get charged next week, but I'm going to pause Patreon donations um, for the the payment that would normally go on the 1st of November, so you shouldn't be charged for that one, Um, and I will split the the proceeds for October over the whole of October and and November. that's that. That's the admin stuff out of the way. Let's get on to the results from the last Superliga weekend. Um, they were as follows. San Lorenzo Patronato finished 3-2 to San Lorenzo. Cracking match up, man. Yes, it looked like it from the snatches of it that I caught walking through uh, from the from the pool room in the bar. Um, Colón 3, Godoy Cruz 1 just after that on Friday night. On Saturday, Newell's Old Boys beat Lanús 2-0 in Rosario. Tacheres and Vélez Sarsfield drew 1-1 in Córdoba. Defensive Justicia and Estudiantes were drawing 1-1 when the match was called off after 25 minutes due to an electrical storm. That's going to be Hailstorm, played. I believe it was as well. Uh, Massive hailstones yeah. dropping everywhere. Um, do we know when that's going to be concluded mm, yet? I don't think anything's been I heard talk about doing it during the international week, uh-huh. which could be tricky because I believe one or if not both of those clubs have Copa Argentina commitments possibly as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that would be the idea, which would be what the start middle of October. Uh, yeah, the sixteenth of October. There we go. the date of Argentina versus Brazil. Um, Banfield won, Independiente won. That was a full time score, not a twenty five minute score. And then on Sunday, there were two games at eleven o'clock in the morning. San Martín de Tucumán and Argentinos Juniors drew nil nil. Tigre lost two nil at home to Huracán. Um, and then there were two games at quarter past one in the afternoon. San Martín de San Juan lost 3-1 at home to Atlético Tucumán. And Gimnasia beat... No, they didn't. They drew 1-1 with Rosario Central. Um, those matches were all played early in the day to make way for the big television build-up uh, for the FA Cup fight. I mean, the, the Super Clásico. 
um, between Boca Juniors and River Plate in the Bombonera, which River won 2-0. On Monday evening, Aldo Sibi also won 2-0, in their case at home to Belgrano, and the Racing stayed top of the league with a 1-0 victory over Union de Santa Fe. Um, gents, let's begin, perhaps a little bit controversially, mm. with Racing, since they are top of the league. It makes sense, they're the best team in the country. Um, and then, of, of course, the we'll move on and uh, give the Super Classico a sort of deep dive, to use a phrase I don't particularly like, um, in a few minutes' time. But first of all, I think Racing you know, deserve top billing because they're, they're top of the league. They are indeed. Uh, they've now gone six games unbeaten since the start of the season. I think one of four teams to do so so far, as well as Atletico Tucumán, River and Defensa Justicia. Obviously, River and Defensa Justicia have drawn a few more games, so they're a little bit behind. Five victories in a row and five games without conceding a goal, which for a Chacho Cadet team is in pretty uncharted territory. His uh, sides are known for scoring a lot of goals, which Racing have been doing, not so much the last couple of weeks where they've kind of had to grind out 1-0 uh, victories. But generally, yeah, he's a, he's a coach that throws everything but the kitchen sink at games, scores a lot, tends to concede a lot, as, uh, as we saw at the, the, start, of the start of 2018 with Racing. There were a few 3-2s, uh, a few... Two all draws and a couple of four nils. Like, yeah, the goals were flying in from all over the place. But this wrestling team is um, a lot tighter unit. I think it's a more settled unit. He um, used the same starting eleven for the third week in a row, which is also something which is quite rare. And it's working well. I think um, it wasn't an easy game by any means. Onion were one of the teams who were unbeaten before the the start of the weekend. Um, very difficult team to to break down a team that gets a lot of men behind the ball and just kind of pumps it out heads away they'll do that all day so you really have to work to break them down uh, Racing got a little bit of luck or perhaps not a little bit of luck more perhaps a, a vindication of this kind of high pressing style which every team in Argentina seems to want to implement but only a few actually managed to do it because it's not the easiest thing to do uh, that was um, Chile international Eugenio Mena who rubbed the ball deep in the Union half whipped a lovely cross in missed uh, the first header which I believe was um, Cristaldo no the first header like the oh, two guys sure. in the box and um, it fell kindly for Augusto Solari a guy who hadn't really scored at all for Racing before Caldet I believe he had one goal before Caldet arrived and he's kind of been uh, reinvented as a as an attacking midfielder with an eye for goal uh, since the coaching change he's now got four under Chacho maybe the, his third goal uh, in total for Racing perhaps uh, second I remember, goal I think in the tournament and four or five rules uh, since Cadet arrived uh, because he hasn't been an automatic starter either he's come a lot off the bench and but first ever goal uh, with his head it's, that's for sure first goal of his head I'm sure yeah and he's a guy that whenever he scores for a Racing Racing win Another little Ra statlet for you, which I'm sure you all wanted to know. You mean Racing Positivo? Yeah, it's just a, a nice little stat. Another one. Oh, cross the catch, just scared the life out of me. Um, is that Racing, I don't know if you're aware, since the 2014 Transition tournament, which admittedly is kind of an arbitrary place to to make the to start counting, but 
did see this on a, on a Racing uh, fans Twitter, so bear with me. They are the strongest side at home with something like a 72% effectiveness rate in points one at home. Oh, wow. In the league, yeah. That's very impressive. I think only seven games lost at home in four years. In all competitions or just in the league? In the league, yes. Um, congratulations. Yeah. Racing remain top with 16 points. Two points behind them are Atletico Tucumán. Two points behind Atletico Tucumán are Aldo Sibi. Mm-hmm. And one point behind Aldo Sibi are Huracán. Those are your top four. Um, but we're now going to talk about the two teams who are a further point, one point behind Huracán in fifth and sixth place. Six points separated off the leaders and Indeed, six points of off the, the leaders. Uh, separated by uh, um, between each other only by goal difference uh, on ten points each. River Plate and Boca Juniors. And the reason that they are separated only on goal difference is that River beat Boca. You'll remember, as one of our listeners pointed out last week, they came into the match with... Uh, identical goals scored and goals conceded records but Boca were three points better off well now obviously the points are level um, and it was a pretty impressive Super Classico or a pretty impressive big game away performance I thought from River overall yeah you can say that uh, River played the game perfectly they did exactly what they had to do and Boca just kind of lost really there were a couple of Strange selection choices, I guess you could say, from uh, Barrosiquilodo, um, Pablo Perez, who's been so important to, to the team this year. I mean, he, he came from scoring an assist in just uh, uh, midweek in, in the Libertadores. He was left on the bench. Um, Maro Zarate as well, who's been so important since joining from Vélez. He was another guy on the bench. It was kind of... Um, uh, not a mixed squad, I'd say, but you know, just a chance. I mean, Barrasquillota wanted to use kind of these big names that he has on the bench, obviously, like Carlos Tevez, who had a hideous game, um, as he has done for most of the year, really. I think uh, mentally, he's still, still in China. We know how much he enjoyed uh, that stay, <laughs> and perhaps he just never wanted to come back. Um, and yeah. Um, I don't think, obviously, uh, River, uh, it wasn't a vintage performance either, but they, they did what they tend to do always beh- uh, away from home. That's what I saw uh, in the Luetoris game. They played away to Racing. They play extremely tight. They don't give spaces in the midfield, and they break extremely quickly. They look to provoke the errors, and and it worked really well, um, I think. Uh, the consensus this week, which which I share, is that uh, it was kind of a coaching masterclass from Marcelo Gallardo against a very uh, very mediocre reading of the game from uh, Barcelona, who kind of put the wrong team out to start with and didn't make any moves to amend it. Mm. And on the other well, hand, two fantastic goals. But which it's no secret that Guillermo, for me at least. Uh, he put the players in the in the uh, team and and he see it and I think that he didn't or, or at least if he plans something he uh, well this guy is it because uh, at least that what he tried to do at least in this in this match was to put some uh, combat players or fighting players or jugadores uh, metedores I mean to put the the leg uh, players 
like uh, well Nandes, Barrios and and uh, uh, who's the other one Almendra because yeah. he tried to out, uh, outstone River in that uh, type of game that River uh, does uh, uh, in the last game against Boca which is to to block them first and then try to play and of course it didn't work because no, River, River just turned around and said all right yes. We'll just skip the midfield and and you can start chasing us. Like yes, yeah, I think that as a summer to summarize, uh, I I saw a team against uh, eleven players that w tried to do something, but you didn't know what. Um, yeah, it was no movement from midfield on Boca's side. No one helping uh, Pavon or Benedetto, uh, kind of by arriving into the box late, which is. What Pablo Perez can do, it was it was a strange, strange uh, lineup in it. Of course, yeah, River wasn't brilliant. You we could say that it, no, it's not that River was the perfect team ever, but uh, uh, as as I think you said, uh, and uh, they have been showing, uh, especially against Boca in the matches that they are are important. And I think Gallardo should uh, may, may may be saying that, uh, or maybe maybe thinking that he wants. Boca to, fight, to to play against Boca every Sunday because for hard matches or partidos uh, chivos uh, like you say here like they are that they are tricky and under tight matches is when River they have their best performance and um, uh, yes they were no brilliant but they know uh, uh, like you said what to do exactly at every moment in the match and they score the goals at the exact moments that they have to score. Um, the exact same scorers and same scoreline as yes. the last uh, um, Superclasico and the Super, Supercopa one from Peter Martinez who we now have confirmation is crazy right yes is that true yes yeah my sources tell me uh, 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 have you seen the song why, why is this it's a River Plate fan song that's gone ridiculously viral and annoying since the Superclasico which basically goes um oh look no, Andres, I, I don't have it. I don't. Uh, el Pite Martínez, qué loca que está. El Pite Martínez, qué loca que está. And then it gets uh, rather pornographic. With yes, the, yes. Uh, with Be the tagline. Because on Instagram there were fans asking Pite Martínez to ha dress himself uh, when he plays at Bombonera uh -huh. uh, and not to have sex there. Because, because, well, uh, <laughs> well, with Boca. Good. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, yes. Uh, and, and similar goals and similar plays in the way of, for example, Cardona with Enzo Perez, uh, mm -hmm. because uh, 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 at that uh, time Cardona didn't deserve the red card because it was uh, perhaps uh, and very um, impossible to see touch to, to Enzo Perez, mm -hmm. and in this case he, it was an elbow, clear elbow, elbow, and he didn't receive, or he was yellow. He, he, he got Hello. booked for it, yeah, yes. which was the really interesting bit because it meant that the referee had seen it um, and then decided that it was only worth the booking. Although the more I saw it, the more it looks kind of like a forearm. It's it's still hitting someone in the it's face. It's still hitting no, someone in the face, yeah. Um, do we think that that cancels out the penalty shouts that Boca had in the second half? They Supposedly they had three penalty shots. In the no, out of three, I, I thought that of it was three, one clear penalty and I, two. I, I thought that the Ponceo handball looked the clearest of the three to me. No. Yeah, um, penalty shots you're always going to have. Sometimes they're given. I don't think for either me of them you'd say, "Oh my god, how is that not a penalty?" Hmm. For uh, me, the, the mistake is it's crazy, like Peter. The real mistake for uh, Vigliano was the Casco penalty, in which he uh, 
post Pavon in his back and, and also he touched him down I think uh, but Poncio well of course it's something that you will it's opinion something that you, have your, you may have your opinion and it's okay because uh, Poncio was cl close to the ball and you could say that he wanted to handball it and I could say that it was close and he could uh, quit the, the hand uh, and that Tevez could on purpose hit the ball to his hand because uh, that should be a penalty yeah. so it's a lot of there will be a lot of opinions for me the, more, the clear penalty was the Casco one uh, to Pavon and uh, the other one that Benedetto uh, asked it wasn't even a penalty because the, the, the defender touched the ball yeah even um, his, his, it's, his love. it's frustrating nonetheless because of course particularly in the immediate aftermath of the game and during the second half if you were on Twitter during the match you had to put up with a lot of Boca fans saying oh this is proof that that the AFA that was going to happen no matter us. what you know and in spite of the fact that shortly before half time as mentioned Christian Pavon uh, not Christian Pavon sorry um, uh, uh, Edwin Cardona should have been sent off and, and wasn't I mean it's not two wrongs don't make a right and obviously one decision doesn't cancel out another but I think it does illustrate that it's not really a case of the officials being biased towards one team or another I say this every week it feels like <laughs> it's just a case of the officials being really not very good yeah um, yeah I think we've said that before the standard of refereeing is uh, fairly limited and I think that's you know yeah. the thing is that the, top saying. Think, the, the thing is that River yeah, showed again that they learned uh, well it's a long time since they learned how to play against Boca especially when well, Gallardo at the bench and Boca is like suffering that uh, because the other, it's the other hand is the the other way around is like it happened 20 years ago for example in which Boca uh, it, well they are, they are supporters said used to say that it was their t-shirts uh, that they won it with mm. the t-shirt and now it appears to be the other the other way so uh, the next stage for River from that point of view would be to want to try and beat Boca in the Monumental <laughs> the next yes, time wouldn't yes. it because of course Boca still have uh, I think that's now right because the Supercopa was obviously on, on neutral territory but that's now four Super Classicos in a row which have been won by the away side two yeah. for River and two for Boca and is, is, is the first time especially first time? since there are no away fans so like the home advantage should be even more overwhelming yes, now yeah, yeah. and it's the first time in 22 years that River uh, achieves his second uh, victory in a row against Boca mm. uh, because it was yes a long time since they didn't uh, achieve that yeah there we go um, uh, Martinez you mentioned Dan that uh, the scorers in the Supercopa final were, were also Gonzalo Martinez and Ignacio Coco uh, not only were they the same scorers this time, but also Gonzalo Martinez's um, strike to open the scoring was not only remarkably similar to the one that he scored in the Bombonera last year, in, in last year's League Super Clásico, um, it was also scored the, at least the time on the television clock, which of course is not the referee's clock and is not official. Um, it was about 10 seconds difference or something, huh? as that absolutely belting volley that he scored yeah. last year. Um, which minute? in the 14th minute 14 minutes and 17 seconds against 14 minutes and 23 seconds and what is 14 for the lottery here oh, well, I'll, I'll let you um, yes. explain this one Andres but yeah yes the, the drunk and the yes the, the the barra is called the los borrachos del tablón the, the, the drunk oh. people mm. or well of the, of the stands we will say and 14 is that minute uh, I mean the the 
Number 14 for lottery here is like the dream of a drunk. So, yeah, it's a coincidence, of course. A big number for River fans. Um, elsewhere, who else have we got? Atletico Tucumán, second in the league, with a 3-1 win over San Martín de San Juan, annoyingly, uh, because there were two games played at the same time there. I was watching, I was paying more attention to Gimnasia against Rosario Central. So I managed to miss all of the goals. Uh, uh, no, sorry, I watched. I, I saw uh, Pablo Alvarenga's um, consolation in the 91st minute for San Martín de San Juan, but apart from that, I was watching the other game. Um, but goals from Guillermo Acosta, Luis Rodriguez and Mauro Matos, mm. showing that uh, Atlético yeah, are taking the league yes. as seriously as they're taking the Libertadores. Um, it was a fairly good performance from the snatches that I caught. I mean, yeah, they're a very strong team. Aren't, you know, any great yeah. shakes, they're probably one of the teams that are going to go down, but... Away from home, mm-hmm. professional stuff. Yeah, I mean, Atletico have been doing fantastically. They've got, you know, a team that's very kind of united. They've had uh, a series of fantastic performances over the years. I mean, it's crazy to think they've only been back in Primera since 2016. Um, that was when, yeah, they went up in 2015, but then only played in Primera in 2016, because I believe that was. Uh, year-long championship was, right? yeah, yeah. from January to uh, December so um, yeah unfortunately you know for Atletico Tucumán fans it looks like their Libertadores adventure is over because they lost 2-0 in the first leg to Gremio at home and that's going to be mm, well never impossible extremely difficult to, to no, overturn nothing is impossible, nothing is impossible for of course, Tucumán, but, but, um, but against the, the tournament holders and and reigning champions, yeah, I wouldn't bet against them, which means... I think you mean you wouldn't bet on them. <coughs> I was talking about Gremio. Ah, OK. I wouldn't bet against them. They, they found the team and they they look like they, they can keep it, uh, they can keep going, and mm. uh, I mentioned, of course, well, Cielinski's, I think, have importance here, uh, but in this case, I think Atletico to one place better than Belgrano, because he had... Uh, yeah, there's a bit more flair in the yes. team, you know. Of course, with Pulgar Rodriguez, um, Acosta's been playing very well. Leandro Diaz, another guy who's been ve- yes. playing very well up front. Um, obviously, um, a guy like uh, Pichu Marcier in the middle is absolutely key. This is a guy you probably know him from Argentinos Juniors, where he won the league, and from San Lorenzo, where he won the yes. Libertadores. It's a guy who's who's had a fantastic career, kind of in in the context of. Argentine football without you know ever quite having what it takes to to take a step up, but yes, he more, really does marshal the midfield and keep keeps it all ticking together. Yes, most of the team have, have they have a lot of experience. Most of the players you mm. have also Mauro Matos. I think Mauro Matos, not yeah. in starting. Uh, Another guy who won the Libertadores with San Lorenzo in 2013, or was he? Yep, 2014. 2014, yeah. Well, same same idea. So yeah, with those kind of guys, um, you're always going to be competitive at least, and and they're looking good. Yeah, who's not the ones who are not looking too good at San Martin, who now have welcomed back Ruben Fortello for his seventeenth spell as coach. <laughs> that is re- really strange because they, there was a change between San Martin. Yes, uh, <laughs> because Cochete was fired from San Martin, San, Martin San, San Juan, and now it's the. Coach of Tucumán. Yes, and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. was sacked as San Martín de Tucumán coach, and now he's at San Martín de San Juan. Very well spotted. I 
failed to notice yeah. um, that, that pattern. Uh, <laughs> so well done. Um, talking of Sam, I think they took a man, a nil-nil draw with Argentinos Juniors. Not an awful lot happened. I was hoping that Argentinos would turn in another decent performance. Um, and they didn't really. They were slightly disappointing. Uh, the, the most interesting, interesting there was a, a, a fight between Aregui from Samati Tucumán and I think it was, uh, uh, well, the defender of Argentinos Juniors. Probably a McAllister of some sort. They got that no, it was, well, I forgot his surname right now. But they, they were heads together, so I think they could kiss or, well, have their uh, go, go and fight. But finally it was, like like always, uh, they were very hot in, in, the fi- in the field and then they, they apologized. And, but that, w- that was the most interesting thing in the match. Hmm. Yeah. Um, got that 2-0 win away to Tigre uh, with Juan Garro and Diego Mendoza scoring. Mendoza's goal came very late on. It's actually a pretty entertaining sort of end-to-end game, uh, from what I caught of it. Um, but yeah, Huracan ultimately ran out with it when perhaps Tigre could have deserved a draw, possibly. Um, and Aldo Civi keeping up their magnificent early season form with a 2-0 win over Belgrano, which, as I said earlier, has them third in the league table at the moment, and probably more importantly for the moment because they can't quite start dreaming of a title charge just yet second again having leapfrogged Racing again in the um, average points table which means that they've got exactly two points per game so far which is way clear of the relegation zone um, it looks like we're going to have Aldo Civi in the Superliga next season as well already yeah if they can keep this up or something like this one then they're definitely going to stay up I think Yes, beforehand we we could say, oh, they they are they have Pisano, they have Chavez, the former San Lorenzo. Carry on talking, sorry, Andres. I'm trying to distract the cat from um, <laughs> the suitcase that she's crawling into. Carry on. The former San Lorenzo striker, and you will say, well, yeah, they will be a t- uh, team, uh, normal team, or or perhaps uh, below the middle of the table team. No, they are third, and they are playing well, I think. Uh, especially in attack with Pisano having scored three goals uh, and well now Chavez who's I think the, the, the key player there uh, and they have another experienced player like for example um, Stracolursi who wasn't well wasn't successful at San Lorenzo or, or Colón even Tigre but now they well uh, the strike attack yes. long time listeners will, let, will know mm. that we love the strike attack yes. yes. supported him throughout his uh his career is ill-fated switch to Everton, was it? It was. Which we all thought was going to make it him. It wasn't that ill-fated. He became a bit of a cult hero. Yeah, a cult hero. Months. But yeah, but yeah, we were disappointed that he didn't become the next um, Argentina starting centre forward. I think. Indeed. Um, and it would be remiss of us to complete this uh, roundup of the weekend's action without mentioning San Lorenzo versus Patronato. Well, they've had two games since we last recorded. Oh, they have, haven't they? Yeah, it they was have. it was emotional. It was touchy because yes. there was the returning of, of Franco Musis after one year of, of being off the pitch. Yeah. yeah, he made quite a decent comeback as well. It must be said. He did. Yeah, absolutely fantastic goal. Adolfo Gaich opened the scoring. He's young and very very large centre forward. Um, he starred in the um, oh, I always get this wrong La Lcudia yes. tournament. Uh-huh. He scored a. A few goals for Lionel Scaloni's Argentina team there as mm-hmm. they finished champions. Uh, he, he opened the scoring in after six minutes 
Patronato then, what's he doing? <laughs> Sorry, the cat's decided to start attacking my shoulder. Don't do that. Patronato then, <coughs> leave it. Patronato then um, equalised through Pablo Ledesma on 13 minutes and went ahead through Gabriel Carabajal on 18 minutes. Um, with 15 minutes to go, they were still ahead, and then Gonzalo Rodriguez equalised, and Franco Musis hit, as you say, Dan, a fantastic winner from about 40 yards. No, it wasn't quite 40 yards out, but it was 25 or 30 yards out into the top corner um, in the 87 minutes to win it. But then the players, the, the, his teammates, uh, were dangerous there because they were all all uh, uh, yeah. on him and it as, was, as was the manager. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the danger to injure him again after coming back from one year. Uh, but then last night it was the other hand. It was awful. They were the 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 normal San Lorenzo that we were used to 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 see, and they were out of Copa Sudamericana. Of course, that doesn't count to the previous match which was uh, I, as I said touchy because it was the, the, the emotional part of, of Moses coming back and scoring the, the victory goal I think that that was that should have been uh, enough to push them push them and, and and play decently last night but well it wasn't that, that the case and I mean, the thing is, I, I would argue they didn't even play that well against Patronato because if you if you can see two goals to this Patronato, side, Patronato are awful. Um, Just, I think it's like if, the first it, two goals they scored this season. Yeah, or not far off. And if if it takes you until the eighty seventh minute to find a winner, I'll, I'll just look up how many goals Patronato have scored this season. They have scored. Um, two goals this season. Well done, Dan. Um, <laughs> that was a yeah. bolt from the blue. But after if, seeing if them at home to Racing, I thought it wasn't a bad shout to think that yeah. they haven't scored many goals. And if you need an almost last-minute winner against them, then you're probably not doing great anyway. No. The, the one good performance San Lorenzo have put in in recent weeks was that three-one home victory over Nacional in the first leg of their Copa Sudamericana. Which should have put them in a good position to go through. It should have done, and yet they were so poor on Tuesday night that it did not. Um, a goal from former San Lorenzo striker, Gonzalo Bergesio, mm-hmm. um, set open the scoring in Montevideo in the, I don't know what minute it was, probably about the 55th 50 or something. 16th or something. 57, something I think. Um, but it was the second. The first one was from... Uh, Mm. Oh, it was the second, wasn't it? Sorry, I'll look yes. up there. The first one was scoring in the tenth minute, and well, the first one was from Sunino, yes, um, and the second was from Bergesio in the fifty-fifth minute. Bergesio hit the post with the header, and in the rebound, the, it was uh, Sunino's. Ah, that was right. Yeah, um, Bautista Mellini didn't help matters by getting himself really stupidly sent off, and then almost killing the referee when he was shown the um, red card. Um, and San Lorenzo are out on away goals after, yes. as I said, putting in a one decent performance for once, which looked like it was Did, they didn't look any any uh, any player badly included by by Nacional or, or no. No, not well, heard this it, case. Yeah. I think Nacional were very careful about that. I'm sure. But they have managed the quite impressive feat of losing three games out of four matches played in the same season in the Sudamericana, which yeah. shouldn't be possible in a direct elimination competition. Um, <laughs> that was is... also bad news for Racing and Independiente. Do you know why? Yes, it was. Um, I, I do know why, but I'll let you explain why, Dan. So, and of course, for, for fans of really convoluted, complicated ways to qualify for continental tournaments because San Lorenzo have a place in the Copa Libertadores of 2019, Due to their position in um, 2017-18 Superliga, 
Um, Racing and Independiente, or Independiente and Racing, I believe, to give them their, their places in the table, and not just because of what team's better. Um, only got Sudamericana. But if San Lorenzo or Boca uh, win the Sudamericana or the Libertadores, respectively, Independiente will go through to the uh, Copa Libertadores, uh, taking one of Argentina's places. If San Lorenzo and Boca had won the Copa Libertadores, both Independiente and Racing would go through. Hmm. So, yeah, now only Independiente still have a chance if they win it, because obviously they're still in the Copa Libertadores, or if Boca win it still. First, they'll have to get past River and hope for the best. But and probably Gremio, and then yeah, the contradiction and the uh, the quandary Independiente fans will find themselves in is that they currently hold the record for Copa Libertadores trophies with seven. Boca, I believe, are on five, six, six. So if Boca win the Copa Libertadores. Independiente will go through to next year's tournament, but they presumably will have to give up their title of Rey Copas, King of Cups. Which, just because to clarify... Because their last to, Libertadores came in 84. And, and just to clarify, that's a title they do actually give a toss about for some yes, reason. Yes, they really do. Which is why they were so happy about the Sudamericana when no one else really gets that excited about the Sudamericana. I will now look up their last... Uh, Copa Libertadores. I think it was 84. I have a feeling that you're right. And then they sure. beat Liverpool in the in the Intercontinental Cup that year, possibly, or another team because Liverpool apparently never played the Intercontinental Cup for some reason. Oh, because they were afraid of being um, kicked too much. That was uh, one of the reasons. I remember there was a game against Boca in the 70s that Borussia Mönchengladbach played. 84 mm. is correct, and they. It was against Liverpool that they won the 84 Intercontinental Cups. It was the 80, uh, the seven, yeah, no, it must have been the 83 one that um, that Gladbach played instead of. No, I think it was 78 or 77 against Boca, ah, going okay. a little bit further back. Lovely. So there you go. So yeah, that is the um, the dilemma that Independiente fans will face. Not that they can do anything about it at all. No, indeed. Um, we're going to take a break now. Uh, I'll refill glasses, although we don't have any ice, so this might be slightly warm for that in the second half. Um, and when we come back, we will answer some listeners' questions. Um, I've just realised, by the way, that there is a Copa Argentina game on this evening. Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero are playing Brown Oof, de Adrogué. What a game. This match is the game that will decide uh, which quarterfinal will have either Boca or Gimnasia will play the winners of this tie. Um, so if you carry on listening all the way to the end of the podcast I'll try and remember to give you the score at the end of that podcast um, but for now here's some music uh, Andres you've got your hand up yes no because Boca and Gimnasia play tomorrow oh do they yes. oh ok that's, mm-hmm. that's useful information uh, they do indeed yes well done As um, Banfield and Defensa Justicia also play tomorrow but that's in the Copa Sudamericana um, and Colón Junior de Barranquilla tonight Yes, So if you carry on listening to the very, very, very end of the podcast uh, after the final theme music, I'll give you the scores from Colón against Atletico Junior and Central Córdoba de, de Santiago del Estero against Brown de Androgué. But if you carry on listening after this little bit of half-time theme music right now, um, we will answer some listeners' questions for you after it's done. 
Here we go. The first, it's not really a question as such, um, it's an email from a listener in the interior, in the, uh, the bit of Buenos Aires that's not the capital, basically, um, from Joaquin Santiago, hello Joaquin, um, who wrote to me a few hours ago to say that he is learning English and that uh, one of his friends told him to give a listen to our podcast, so he is doing and he enjoys it. Uh, so thank you, Joaquin, and I hope... Um, that uh, that your English learning goes well. Um, he does ask while he's here uh, why the foreigners among us um, mm-hmm. are in Argentina and how we became clubs. No, sorry, that's wrong. I've misread that. Of how we became clubs. fans of the clubs um, that we support. Um, so I, I sp- it's a question that we have answered before, but obviously Joaquin hasn't been listening for that long. Um, and it's always good to repeat it yeah, time to time because we pick up new listeners. Yeah, the public is new. And exactly. Um, so I'm a River, I don't really say fan, but sympathiser, basically because um, my ex-girlfriend who introduced me to Argentine football was a River fan. What is the cat doing? Where is she? Uh, she found a plastic bag to find. Oh, good. Okay. Let me just grab that away while Dan tells you why um, he's a Racing fan. Hola, Joaquin. And the rest of our listeners. So, yes, um, as you would have gathered by, if you listened to the first half of this podcast, I'm a Racing fan. I didn't have a particular amount of choice in the matter, I must admit. Um, I, I can answer the two questions, actually, because they kind of interlink with, with each other. I arrived in Buenos Aires in 2009 to do an internship in a now defunct newspaper, um, it was the Argentines and then the Argentina Independent. That was supposed to be for four or five months, and it's now been uh, nine years. So, yeah, I'm not entirely sure how that happened, but I'm actually at work here and get going. And, and when I first arrived, that was obviously an unpaid internship, so I had to supplement my income from. Uh, other avenues, one of which was a company which sent people to football games with uh, mobile phones, basically to um, inform on the events of each game for betting purposes, uh, live betting purposes. Uh, you had to punch in whether they were corners, goals, yellow cards, and all that kind of business. Um, so the first few weeks I was in Buenos Aires, I took advantage of that job to basically get paid to go to Argentine football games. I saw a lot of Argentino Juniors games, I went to the Bombonera with Boca when, at a time where it was still possible to to go to Boca games with, um, with scout tickets and not just get ripped off. Um, and so one of the games I was called upon to cover was Argentina Juniors against Racing. And just around the corner from my first flat in Buenos Aires, uh, there was a bar and the waiter. Just carry on talking, Dan. I apologise for the scraping yeah. in the background. Latrice has gone to the toilet and is uh, scraping her <laughs> litter. And uh, she was doing this a minute ago, and I've just cut about two minutes. Um, yeah but we're in a little bit of a rush here in this second half so carry on now and the waiter was a fanatic fanatic of of Racing I mentioned to him that I would soon be seeing his beloved team in action and he said ah why don't you come down with us this was at a time obviously when uh, away fans were still permitted so I went to the game 
uh, with him and and a bunch of other people from uh, Villa Crepo my, in my neighbourhood. Racing were awful, 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 awful. Um, worst football you could not possibly imagine. But the fans just kept going. They kept shouting, screaming, let, letting off uh, fireworks and whatnot. And I thought, ah, this is a, a pretty fun team. So I started to kind of coordinate... Um, that job and the games I was sent to with Racing Games and this guy who's now one of my my best friends he he gave me his uh, 1999 or 2000 vintage Racing shirt and little by little just lured me in um, I was I was groomed to be a Racing fan you could say uh, the following year um, I signed up to to be a socio and since then yeah I started going to pretty much every game home and away I've done a lot of crazy trips with Racing to Tucumán to San Juan Mendoza Bahia Blanca Santa Fe Rosario all over the place and obviously now I can't do that and I don't get to as, as many games as I'd like because uh, work is like that and when you're a football journalist unfortunately that means a lot of working weekends but I still follow Racing religiously and and yeah it was it was a one way trip as they say so we can summarize that the first Racing match that you went uh, and, and watched them play what Racing was awful they were terrible that, that was, absolutely terrible uh, that was uh, I think that what made you uh, interested in that team because they, they are made to suffer they, of course Racing, yeah of course Racing supporters used to say that and I remember having go, uh, Uh, been to the Racing Stadium, to the Cilindro, mm -hmm. to watch, of course, Racing River uh, going to the Racing stands. Mm -hmm. Of course, not not uh, celebrating goals because River won 3-0. Three goals from Rogelio Funes Mori? No, it was, was it was so, so long ago that uh, ah. Polichita Silva was the scorer ah, wow. of one goal for River. Uh, the the brother of the Rubén da Silva, the, the even older uh, Uruguayan striker. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> what made me almost fan of racing but not fan of racing was that at the, in the exit when we, we were going out of the stadium the racing supporters there, there were these typical choripan stores in the in the exit uh, and one supporter said we are hotter than these choripanes we are uh, hot, hot in in, in uh, meaning angry uh, because here we say caliente yeah. when you heat it yes say, yeah. yes Uh, so that that was funny, and I <laughs> thought about it, but no. Finally, I I remained River fan, but it was huge mistake. Yes. Um, moving on. Oh no, hang on. We've got more email questions. So you were going to answer the question as well, okay. I believe. When you oh, I did. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So yeah, I explained why I'm a River fan. Um, I didn't explain why I came to Argentina. Uh, I I came a few times on holiday, and I liked it, and I thought, yeah, sure, and I I sort of put plans in motion to move it, basically. There you go. Um, Jimmy Lee has emailed to say, is Russo Sielinski the best manager in Argentina? From what he did with Belgrano to what he's doing now with Atletico Tucumán, he's an incredible manager. I obviously will forever have a soft spot in my heart for him. Jimmy is a Belgrano fan for the benefit of new listeners. Yeah. Um, do you see him moving on to something bigger or is his time with Racing proof that maybe... I'm just going to rescue my Fernet from the camp because she's writhing around a bit. That maybe a medium-sized club is where he fits best. Maybe Dan can give us an insider thought on his time at Racing. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously, I have a much different opinion of um, 
Zielinski from his time at Racing, which was really nothing short of a disaster. Um, maybe that was a one-off. Maybe if he took another big club again, he'd do better. But it, this, these kind of coaches that are very, um, very effective when they have sort of low expectations and they know they can pack men behind the ball and just play very kind of straightforward organized football and when you're up one of the big five especially you you can't really get away with that you have to show something a bit a little bit more and obviously the well, uh, club will be expect- agile apparently Kyle. San Lorenzo well I don't know how long he's how, how San Lorenzo it? to be honest or indeed, how organized it is really yeah but, uh, yeah, um, yeah I, I think possibly I couldn't see him taking a big job anytime soon. Um, certainly yeah. not. Mm. No, I think he's found his level and he's and he's very you know for like a medium-sized um, club, uh, which possibly don't have the expectation of winning every single game and and winning at five nil, which the big clubs do have, even if that's not the reality at all. Uh, perhaps that will. Remain too big for him. I, I could con- compare him, of course. Zielinski, I think, is because what he has done with Belgrano and what he's doing with Atletico Tucumán with a quarter final of Copa Libertadores is, I think, is really uh, great, a great job, or at least a great Oh, yes, not to take anything away from his job, which has been fantastic. But uh, because of the kind of teams that he has. Uh, Work with I I will compare him with for example Lavallén or Alfaro or Madelon. Uh, there are are coaches that you know that they are capable that they know about soccer about football. But uh, yes, if they put if you put them to be the coaches of the coach of uh, any big team, it's not the same. Well, Alfaro was the coach of San Lorenzo, Zielinski Racing. Mm. Uh, well, I it, I. I uh, don't know whether Lavallén, for example, or Madelon will, will have the the. Perhaps Madelon have already been the coach of any any big because he's a inexperienced coach. But uh, uh, because of the profile or, or the kind of teams that mm-hmm. they have uh, managed, I think that. I mean, the other example, of course, is um, Falcioni, who had yes. pretty good success at Boca. He won the league, I think, unbeaten, and also I took him to the the final of the Libertadores but if you ask Boca fans about Falcioni now they don't think ah oh, no he was too negative he was too boring and it's kind of that kind of tag that stays with a coach which makes, makes it very difficult yes uh, it's unfair but it's yes. sort of the reality Armirón is another one that uh, was very very considered and then with Atletico Nacional of Colombia was yeah. was like uh, well uh, perhaps a, a step back because Atlanus was incredible well final of the Copa Libertadores. I said Zielinski were quarterfinals and Almirón with Lanús were finalists. But then he also had a pretty yes. mediocre spell at Independiente as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's a bit of luck as well, right? Yes. Yeah, and I, and I think that there's a degree to... It, there's not really any best manager or whatever in, no. in Argentina or in South America or the world or wherever. Um, I think it's just a case of matching... You know, Some people are better suited to certain jobs than other people are to different jobs I mean 
a year ago we were all optimistic about Jorge Sampaoli taking over Argentina because his record to date suggested that he was one of the best men for the job and all the rest of it and for Argentina he clearly wasn't the right man for whatever reason um, and it might be that I mean I very 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 much doubt it but it might be that if one of us three was put in charge of Argentina we would turn out to be absolutely the perfect manager for him. <laughs> uh, it might be that Lionel Escaloni turns out long term to be we've got a question about this in a bit um, turns out to be long term the, the perfect manager for Argentina even though he probably wouldn't be for I don't know Manchester United or, or River Plate or whoever you know um, so I don't know about whether there really is such a thing as a best manager that, that's my take on the question Jimmy it's the wrong question sorry to uh, <laughs> insult you like that but um, there we go Ese uh, Todoroki says uh, when did it go wrong for Boca in the Super Classico game plan formation etc and what was the goal of the week in the Super Liga I think we covered the Boca stuff mainly in, in yeah. the first part of the, the podcast yeah the tactics were wrong the coach was too slow to to rectify it and he didn't really rectify it even when he tried the second part I'd have to say Moses yeah I would probably go with Moses there were the several by Moses Coco uh, both of Rivers Kufre um, also Beleca uh, scored a nice nice one a volley a nice volley so there were three or four yeah um, but yeah for, for circumstances and for the emotion of the moment I think I would go with Moosey's as well mm-hmm. um, Biting Flea via Twitter says River are playing on a Friday night that's odd it is Independiente are also playing on a Friday night um, and the reason that those clubs are both playing on Friday is that they both play each other on Tuesday in the Libertadores which means that they're playing on Friday rather than Saturday they're both asked to play as early as possible um, basically Atletico Tucumán of course are also playing in the Libertadores on Tuesday night um, but their weekend fixture is not on Friday it's on ah it's the very first game on Saturday against San Lorenzo so there you go uh, they're all playing as early as possible Boca are playing next, next week on Thursday evening um, and so they are playing on Sunday in the in the prime time slot as you'd expect um, Carl Carpenter says rank the top five goalkeepers in the Primera Craig uh, I think I mentioned last week that the standard of goalkeeping in the current Superliga is excellent the best I think I've ever I've ever seen it um, there's a lot of candidates uh, to be the best keeper especially the the big five have all got very uh, decent men between the posts uh, at least Boca did before there's Esteban Andrada got injured now they're they're going to bring in a new goalkeeper I believe yes uh, quite possibly Marcos Diaz of Huracan Marcos who Diaz. I think is one of my contenders actually yeah. I, 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 so I'm off the top of my head I would say Armani Andrada Arias of the, the one at Racing I'll get the first names mixed up but that one Gabriel right, really one. Um, and then fighting out for fourth and fifth would be probably Marcos Diaz and there's another one I'm forgetting there is Campania, yes. Campania. <clears throat> oh mate yes Campania yeah definitely deserves it. so there you go as you've just said the big five and we've listed four of them I think my order would be it'd be very similar well, my list would be in no particular order because I don't want to pay favourites. We weren't asked for the best, we were just asked for the five best, yeah. Andrada, Armani, Campagna, Arias. Uh, obviously, I haven't seen him as much as as the other guys, but he's v- impressed me very much um, since he's come to Racing. And the fifth... Hmm, a lot of very good candidates. I think 
presence-wise, I've been impressed with Banfield's Arboleda. He's yep. a very solid guy. Uh, Guido Arredo of Tacheres has done very well. And he's, in fact, another guy who's been mentioned as a possibility for Boca. Um, but the fifth, I'm going to be very, very um, big five-centric and say Nicolás Navarro from San Lorenzo. Because I think he's a San Lorenzo player is making it into a top five of anything. It kind of says how bad San Lorenzo have been that their goalkeeper stands out so much, even after conceding quite a few goals. Andres, any other names you'd like to throw into the mix? Well, uh, for me, of course, Armani, of course, uh, then Guido Herrera from Talleres, Rigamonti from Belgrano, Mm. um, Campagna, and um, because of the Magnificent save! I, I, this is very of this moment, of course, not of, you know this season. He he just asked for this season, or uh, no? He said at no. the moment. Uh, Aguirre was did a magnificent, but magnificent save to Rivas, Sebastian Rivas. So I will mm. mention Aguirre. I think that even there was a follower that sent that save uh, by Twitter on Twitter. So uh, yes, it was a great save. Mm. Uh, Tariq Al Haidar says, "Does Scaloni have a chance to get the job permanently?" I think he does, just because it basically isn't anyone else. Um, he might end up getting it by default, essentially. Um, I know he's made a lot of uh, a lot of friends around the AFA, and and generally, after you know, as I mentioned before, uh, winning the uh, the Laucudia title, that kind of shows that he. It's good with young players, and then he did all right, I guess, in these two friendlies with a, a fairly experimental side, which all reports suggest he will be repeating in the next friendlies. Uh, or very similar, similar at least. Uh, Messi won't be there, Aguero won't be there, Di Maria, these kind of guys. Um, one of the, one of the, the people who've been who's been mentioned recently is uh, Gilardo Martino, but I don't know why in the hell. First of all, Argentina would go back to a guy who wasn't especially popular during his time there. And secondly, probably most importantly, why Martina would even think of going back uh, after being so shittily treated and then now having a very kind of stable, happy job in, in MLS where he's doing really well. Yeah, and we mentioned the Martino thing last week as well and, and sort of said then that it would be a bit like throwing away two years of I mean okay throwing away actually two years that should be thrown away I mean, they're already thrown away to if be you're honest, going to keep years. Martino on if you wanted him still in charge of Argentina at the end of 2018 then you should have just not sacked him in the first place and maybe Argentina <laughs> would have done a bit better at the World Cup just gone oh, yeah. um, we have already mentioned this yeah. and, and I think the, there are three candidates right now one is the one who is already the coach Scaloni and the other two are Placente and Neymar mm. Placente because they are the three strike, uh, coaches that have uh, a contract uh, yeah. right now. So they're one, the ones basically that won't have to pay any more money to yes. keep on. Yes. Well, indeed, yeah, the same reason that Julio Olatico Chea ended up um, managing the, the team. Oh, one thing's uh, the Olympics, one th- yeah, Olympics, another thing's yeah. the senior team. Burruchaga is still the hours. manager of the national teams. Pardon? Is Burruchaga still the manager of the national teams? Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, 
I think the roles are a little confused. So Juan Sebastián Verón, the president of Estudiantes, is supposed to be director or the director of, of national teams, but apparently never does anything. I, I had a, a <laughs> conversation with a couple of uh, much more eminent, much more eminent than me, Argentine football journalists um, on Twitter a couple of months ago, saying because they were saying, "Oh yeah, they're talking about bringing somebody in for this role," and I went, well, "Isn't Verón in that role?" And they went, "He is, yeah, but he doesn't actually like." Apparently, directors have told these people that he never turns up, and there's a bit of a because Gorrochaga wasn't in Russia and did something that like and yeah, that. exactly. Gorrochaga is sort of a coordinator or a, a sporting director, which I don't know how a sporting director works from a national team point of view, but. Amiadoski is yeah. another one that uh, yeah. from the, the president of San Martín, San Juan, also mm. some kind of director of teams, national teams or, or whatever. So Ooh. clearly there is some streamlining that could be done here. Um, I think that Scaloni yeah, has a chance. I don't know whether he will. I think Argentina and the, the AFA will want to try and get a bigger name manager. But um, yes. if they're looking at performances and, and uh, alternatives, then I think there should be a good chance of him getting the job. Mm. Uh, Darren Paul says again not a question yet <laughs> as, as, as the others uh, mentioned um, a little earlier Darren has uh, again sent us several tweets with no questions but uh, he says not a question yet but the commentary was a success I'm glad to hear that that went well Darren um, and he says Argentine basketball because Darren has recently started the commentary gig on basketball uh, does have some expat Brits but who was the last to play football there? Oh, the bloke is currently playing football yes uh, David Oluwashi who is in he was in El Porvenir. I believe he's now looking for a club. Oh. And we, we've said many times that we have to get him on the podcast, but we haven't quite managed to get it coordinated. Hmm. But we will do one day. Indeed. Hopefully so. Um, so he was the last one. And before him, uh, you'd be going back to the amateur era probably and, and um, looking at, uh, well, some of the original prints before, uh, before Racing started winning their championships. There have um, been English referees. Yes, they have players. Yes. They're in the fifties and and I think forties. There were a, a bunch of them because the AFA believed that they wouldn't be so uh, so vulnerable to bribes, intimidation, getting stuff thrown at their heads than uh, as their Argentine equivalents. Yeah. Um, Dawson Pies says, "Is this the season that Atlanta win promotion to the second division?" Uh, yeah, they started pretty well. Um, won their first two games by fairly decisive score lines. I can't remember if it was 2-0, 3-0, but they were definitely looking good. And then they went off and, and lost the next three, which pushed them down a bit. Um, and that pretty much tells the story of Atlanta for the last 10 years. Um, they get everyone excited in in the neighbourhood. They start winning games and then they'll kind of fall off a cliff. And they always do just about enough to get into the playoffs because this year, I believe... It'll be like last year you've got one team that goes up to the B Nacional automatically and then another eight that go into the playoffs. That is correct, yeah. Yes, and almost invariably, Atlanta gets to the playoffs, people get excited and they go out. Yeah, they're currently fifth after seven games. Um, They'll stay around there for the whole season and probably end up in the playoffs fourth or fifth and then we we won't be getting our hopes up anytime soon. Um, Jamie is the yeah as you say um, Andres earlier uh, uh, sent us the the sake of Alan Aguirre who I I wouldn't put in my top five of, of goalkeepers just because he made a couple of really good saves for Belles as well when he first yeah he, first he looked bright but he hasn't really done much since be that good yeah. a goalkeeper um, Liam Kelly who is no relation to me 
says, superb win for River on Sunday. Why is it that the Waysides tend to win in Super Classicos recently? One home win, five draws and seven away in the last 13 league meetings. See, I remembered it was four away in a row. I didn't realise that the trend went back that far. Will Gachaldo have the bottle to drop Prato? He was disappointing again. I thought Prato did a fairly important job there. I mean, he was it's playing out team. wide out on the... Yeah, a very sac- like uh, sacrifice role. Uh, he was posted out on the right, kind of bearing down on... Uh, on Jara, the Boca left back, uh, making sure they couldn't break away, and and he did it well, yeah. Um, and he's that kind of player. He might not be scoring goals, and if you look at his goal-scoring record over the years, he's never been a, p- a player to score 25 goals a season. Um, but he's he's very decent, you know. He 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 can play across the forward line. He's he lays on the ball for for his teammates and. To be honest, if River have goals elsewhere, like he's still doing a valuable role in the team. Yeah, he, he's doing that, that dirty game that is doesn't brilliant or, or that doesn't shine. It's not easy to see, uh, and he knows that in, there will be certain matches in which he won't have very op- many options to score. And same as Borre, for example, who against Boca made an assist to to Prato to Skoko, Sorry, same assist like Hector Enrique to Maradona in the. In nineteen eighty six, putting the ball for Skoko to to volley it, and uh, so I think the other day, like just Borre and Skoko both and, and Prato, sorry, both uh, did more teamwork and, and that dirty, not very noticeable uh, work than, uh, for example, Pity Martinez, who was more attractive because it was very uh, that nightmare to to Hara, for example. That you sh- you saw the face of Kara and it was like, oh come on. Yeah. Um, as for why the away fan uh, mm-hmm. away teams keep winning, <sighs> don't know. River seem to have done certainly a, a good job of sort of turning their little tiny corner of the one one era, which is basically the dressing room, into a bit of a fortress and <laughs> um, and, and creating a sort of us against the world mentality by. We've seen a lot after the last few Super Classicals that that their backroom staff have filmed and stuff of how they decorate the the dressing room to look like a home dressing room and and put motivational slogans on the walls. Obviously, Boca doing that as well in the Monumental. So maybe there is an element of of that, you know, particularly with no away fans there whatsoever. Yeah, possibly you're playing under less pressure as well. You you don't feel that obviously a lot of pressure. But um, that feeling of or sensation of being us against the wall is the that the, the which makes River be uh, more aggressive mentally mm. and uh, put the things that are against them in favor of them, and that's something that happens when they are away. Uh, I know why Boca Boca perhaps is uh, in that matches or against River feels more comfortable in wider pitches than in, in narrower. Uh, because they, when they play against River at Monumental lately, have been able to play more than at the Bombonera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know if the pitch is that much narrower, you know. I, I well, think, it's, um, it's it's shorter or narrower. It's it's not uh, the same, uh, yeah. exactly the same size. I think the actual playing dimensions are pretty similar, but it, but whether that it, it's the sort of the the the, well, the stands are much closer at the Bombonera, which gives you the, the illusion on television. But I think that the, the pitch it's more like a box. Closer. And River is perhaps have the, the, the a, a bit bigger and and 
makes an open opener play mm. uh, than than the Momonera, and and I think that that perhaps has something to do and the pressure that they feel when they play home, uh, it's perhaps it's something that we have already said a lot of times or or it's something repetitive, but perhaps has also to do with that. It, uh, it has no real explanation like River playing. Uh, suffocating the, the rivals in the Copa Libertadores and for Superliga playing just more relaxed and, and, and like they are not pl are playing for nothing. Like Gallardo said, even he said it and it was like extremely sincere uh, uh, well sincere in, in the, the way that he said it's hard not to play for nothing. Yeah. Uh, when he played for Superliga and they were they knew that they weren't uh, fighting for title. Uh, we have one more question, which is by email from Lee Bartlett, who is one of two guest mystical predictors this week. Um, and Lee's question is, we're going to answer this really quickly because um, we still have to record Hand of Pod Extra as well. But we're coming up towards our time limit. Uh, are you guys aware of internationals on the 11th of November against Bolivia in Rafaela? and against Paraguay at River on the 17th of November. Have these games been confirmed? I have not read anything about them at all. First I've heard of it. Uh, so the answer is, I mean, given that it's coming from you, Lee, possibly, you know, you um, seem to keep your ears to the ground well on these, but it's not something that we've heard reported. Uh, that doesn't mean that it won't be happening, though. So watch this space and send me an email or a tweet or whatever if you can while I'm... Uh, uh, and, and I'll have a look for you if you want. Um, next up, we have the mystical predictions, which this week I'm not going to do any myself because oh, taking a week off. Yeah, Lee emailed me uh, his predictions on Monday, and Liam has just tweeted me his, and so I thought, why not pitch them against each other and give myself a bit of a rest? Interesting. So after this next piece of music, you'll hear Mystic Lee and Mystic Liam's theme musics and predictions. Don't go away. Here we go. Uh, this week's matches, there are some interesting fixtures. And, and there are some not so interesting fixtures. Uh, yeah, and some not so interesting ones. Independiente hosts Tigre on Friday night. Both Lee and Liam are going for home victories. Lanús against River Plate. Both of them are going for away victories. <laughs> on Saturday, San Lorenzo against Atletico Tucumán. Liam says it's going to be an Atletico Tucumán win. Lee says that that's going to be a San Lorenzo victory interesting call to me uh, Rosario Central versus San Martín de San Juan Liam is asking whether that's postponed and uh, Lee is saying that it's going to be a Central victory the answer to the postponed question I don't know but if, if you ever doubt then just predict the game anyway it will be voided in, uh, for the mystical predictions um, if it's not played Estudiantes versus Newells Liam says it's going to be a draw and oh so does Lee so, so far, I've only had one prediction that's actually different. Argentinos Juniors against Racing. Lee says, away win. So does Liam. Patronato against Tacheres. Um, Liam is going for a Tacheres win. And Lee is going for a draw in that one. Union versus Gimnasia. They're both going for home wins. Belgrano versus Huracan. They're both going for draws. There are a lot of very similar predictions here. This is the advantage of Mystic Sam. Yeah. 
just making up the predictions on the spot is that I can start to bury them a bit if I want to, uh, to make it a bit more interesting. Boca Juniors versus Colón. They're both going for Boca victories. Godoy Cruz against Defensa y Justicia. Here we go. Liam's going for a Godoy Cruz win. And Defensa y Justicia... Uh, oh, no, sorry. D is, is draw, isn't it? So Liam's going for a draw in that one. Venice versus Aldo Civi. They're both going for draws. And San Martín de Tucumán against Banfield. They're also both going for draws. Oh, yeah. So... The whole weekend and bragging rights for Lee against Liam is resting on about three matches there. Um, we shall see what actually ends up happening. <laughs> Anything else to add, guys? No, I think that's about it for this week. Well, a, a note for the the previews is that uh, uh, River and Benite both are playing with reserves because, of course, they have played. Uh, they will have. They will be playing five days. Uh, in the case of River, five days after the Super Classico, and they have some injuries also, injuries, mm-hmm. uh, injured players. Uh, Pity Martinez, even we don't know whether he will be ab- available to play against the Independiente. They prob- probably he won't. Uh, and also Machada has been injured or he has some, some pains. But to counterbalance that, we must also point out that Lanús and Tigre have been absolute shit so yes, far this season. That's right. Yeah, but yeah. It, it won't be that easy for for River Independent because they will be thinking, of course, of the, the match that will be playing mm-hmm. four days after. Yes, they will. Um, on that note, we shall say goodbye. If you're a Handle Pod Extra listener, then you're going to get an extra episode, um, which you might have already heard, which we're about to start recording. If you're a normal Handle Pod listener, then keep listening after this last theme music to find out what happens in the Copa Argentina and the Copa Sudamericana this evening Um, and for now whoever you are thank you very much indeed for listening for another week we will see you again or you will hear us again at least next week and for now thank you and goodbye from Andres thank you goodbye English Dan thank you and farewell and me goodbye there are two full time scores to tell you about in the Copa Argentina Central de Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero beat Brown de Adrogué 1-0. And in the Copa Sudamericana, in the first leg of their tie, um, Atlético Junior beat Colón 1-0 just now. Uh, Harlan Barrera got the only goal of that game. Uh, that's the first leg, by the way. Um, San Lorenzo last night, as we already mentioned earlier, went out uh, last night, the second leg of that one. And Banfield versus Defensa Justicia, which is on, on Thursday night, um, is also a second leg the first leg of that one if I remember rightly was nil-nil uh, but this Junior versus Colón was, was a first leg because it's the Copa Sudamericana and the scheduling doesn't make sense basically bye for now <laughs>